Protests against police brutality picked up steam across the U.S., pushing the president into a bunker and leaving experts worried about a surge of coronavirus cases. A group of K-pop stands may have taken down a police department surveillance app. And we're joined by two BuzzFeed news reporters, Addie Baird and Adolfo Flores, as they report on the protests in D.C. and Minneapolis. The date, June 1st, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey friends, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. What a fucking weekend, Casey. I don't think I was off of Twitter at any point except for when I was at one of the LA protests. Wow, not even when you were asleep. That's impressive. That's like <laughs> yeah, that, as much as I, I was, sleep. if not more. <laughs> I completely agree with you. So you went to one of the protests. Uh, how was it out there? Yeah, I did. I went during the day and it was extremely peaceful. It was a bunch of people just holding signs and there to support each other and um, the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to go out this weekend in New York, but I I wanted to really quickly say thank you publicly to all of my friends and family who reached out to see how I was doing. And I got to say, people out there listening, take this time and just, I can't speak for everyone, but reach out to your Black friends. They, I at least, have really appreciated it. Just no need to actually do anything. Just letting me know that they were thanking me in that moment really helped. Okay, it is time for the TLDR, the most important headlines for the day, brought to the top of your feed. Here are three things you need to know today. One, protests that started last week in response to police officers killing George Floyd in Minneapolis spread throughout the weekend, popping up in at least 75 cities in the U.S. and around the world. The vibe during the day at most of these protests has been calm and peaceful, with marchers and activists rallying around the need for justice and reform of the police system. In some areas, these protests were not only encouraged, but joined by the police. In Houston, Police Chief Art Acevedo spoke out about how unfair the system is to a supportive crowd. What I love about this man and this man and this man, what I love about this city is that they want people of color to be talked about as being thugs and we're bums and, and, and my people... As an immigrant, we're rapists. We, we know what? We built this country. We ain't going nowhere. But when night fell, things got shakier in most cities. Videos from many of them showed police turning up in riot gear en masse, meeting protesters with force. A lot of force. Even as cops were attacking protesters, looting and other vandalizations took place in many major cities, including Oakland, California. That was followed by activist-led cleanups in the day, rinse and repeat. In response, many major cities have put overnight curfews into place. That includes Chicago, D.C., and Los Angeles, whose curfew actually went into effect at 6 p.m. today. Two. The widespread protests around the country have experts worried that a surge in coronavirus cases will soon follow. Yes, there is still a pandemic going on, and given that the disease can spread through yelling, like you do at a rally, coughing, like you do when hit with tear gas, and being in close quarters, like while marching, that's not great. Mark Schreim, a public health researcher at Harvard, told The Atlantic, quote, I don't think there's a question of whether there will be a spike in cases in 10 to 14 days. With so many protests happening that are getting so much bigger, I don't think it's a question of if, but when and where. In most images of the protests from around the country, people have been seen wearing masks to prevent their droplets from spreading. But given that an estimated 60% of COVID-19-related deaths nationwide have been from the Black community, the same community that's out protesting now, this could spell trouble. 
Three, the president has just been on one as the protests have raged, and it is clearly looking for a fight. For the first few days, President Trump tried to strike a more conciliatory tone than normal, praising the memory of George Floyd. But that quickly turned into discontent with the protests, which he blamed on far-left agitators and the anti-fascist movement known as Antifa. At one point this weekend, he sent a tweet threatening to name Antifa a domestic terrorist organization in the U.S. He can't do that, by the way. For a brief moment as protests raged outside the White House, President Trump was taken to a bunker normally reserved for terrorist attacks. He spent about an hour down there, according to reports, only to reemerge as angry as ever, sending a string of tweets about LAW AND ORDER, all caps, and praising the National Guard. Earlier today, audio leaked from a teleconference the president held this morning with governors around the country. He urged them to be even harsher against protesters, saying, quote, It's a movement. If you don't put it down, it will get worse and worse. The only time it's successful is when you're weak and most of you are weak, end quote. Here's some of the audio from that call. 40,000 people, I understand. But what's going on in New York is terrible. It's terrible. Of all the places. What went on last night in Los Angeles with the stores and the snowfronts is terrible. No domination. You have to dominate. Yeah, go ahead, Phil. Oh, thank you for all of those updates, Hayes. It has been quite the weekend. And just back to the curfews, I don't believe you guys had one in New York. But yeah, as you mentioned before, we had one in L.A. And it was absolutely wild because yesterday on Sunday, we found out about the curfew 40 minutes before it was being put into place, which obviously did not give enough people who were working on Sunday like to get home, even though it said that that was a way to get home. But another thing they did was a lot of buses were shut down. And that is how a lot of black and brown people in Los Angeles commute to and from work. Absolutely. So overall, it it was a complete clusterfuck. I mean, it was just wild. Yeah, we didn't have a curfew here in New York, not an official one anyway, but boy, did the cops out in Brooklyn sure act like there was one when they were dealing with protesters. And it got messy fast. And I wish we just had more time on this show to talk about all the different details of what's been happening around the country. Definitely. All right. It's time for today's good news, bad news. This is where I bring you some of the most thank God and most oh my God woo stories from around the internet. And surprise, surprise, today is mostly centered around the protests that have swept the nation. First, the good news. Celebrities aren't always the most socially aware people, but over the last week, several have been using their voices and opening their wallets. Again, opening their wallets. Good for everyone. While most contented themselves to post on Instagram, some major names took to the streets with protesters. That included Ariana Grande, Jamie Foxx, Sway Lee, Nick Cannon, Anna Kendrick, and Halsey. In Atlanta, rapper Lil Yachty even took to the megaphone to talk about how we should never have even gotten to this point as a nation. Fortunately, we got to do shit like this to, to get our voices heard, but I feel like, you know, say we got to stand for some or fall for anything, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, as I sat home, you know, I, I, and I'm trying to make, make, it, make it add up as to why we have to go through breaking windows, uh, 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 demolishing our, this is all this is ours this is you know what i'm saying like we may not own it but we live here we, you know we're raising our families here and we we we, we building up our our lives here so it's unfortunate we gotta do this just to show our frustration you know what i mean we shouldn't it shouldn't take that 
Other celebs weren't able to go and protest, but were able and willing to give cash. Some of the biggest checks came from power couples. John Legend and Chrissy Teigen gave $200,000 to Movement for Black Lives, the National Lawyers Guild, and the Bail Project. Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively gave $100,000 to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. I am so glad that at the very least, some of these people are writing these checks because I feel like that's one of the things that you see, you've seen throughout the years as these protest movements have popped up and faded away is uh, first people asking, well, where are the celebrities? And then people asking, well, why aren't you donating these riches that you have to the cause? Definitely. And I think that was my favorite thing about Chrissy because she had originally tweeted that she was donating 100K and then someone like, uh, you know, on Twitter had a problem with it. And they're like, oh, so you're donating in support of these looters and stuff. And she was like, make it 200K. Boom. (laughs) And some bad news today for people who are tired of K-pop stands spamming your Twitter feed. Turns out they can actually be damn good allies against police surveillance. On Sunday, the Dallas Police Department tweeted out a request for people to upload video of illegal activity to their app, I Watch Dallas. Things got wild when a K-pop fan and Twitter user tweeted, download the app and send all your fan cams. Send them all. Make their jobs as hard as possible. Get them frustrated. Make them take down the app. And side note for the less online, fan cams are usually edits of a fan's favorite performers shot at concerts and other appearances. They're all over Stan Twitter, usually posted as a response to controversial tweets to get the views up. And the Dallas PD tweet Def counted as controversial because the stands, they listened to the call to action. Within a few hours of their original tweet, the department said they'd taken down the iWatch Dallas app temporarily due to technical difficulties. It's not clear if it was the surge of K-pop videos that broke the app or if the police just didn't want to deal with it. I have such new appreciation for K-pop stands. That's what a, what a method for the movement. <laughs> oh, do do not upset K-pop fans. They are going to take no shit from anyone. They will band together and and do what they must do. They're called army for a reason. They will <laughs> they are legion out there. And you know what for once? Shout out to you guys. When we come back, we've got BuzzFeed news reporters Adolfo Flores and Addie Barrett reporting on the ground. Stay right there. Chief-It. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Raffi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. For my small bookstore to thrive, I can't just sell books. So I created a radio ad at iHeartAdBuilder.com to tell everyone about our author events, our story hours for kids, and our amazing lattes. Now we're busier than ever. I'd call that 
a success story. A custom radio ad from iHeart Ad Builder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com. Welcome back. Things are absolutely batshit around the country right now, which is, fun fact, a technical term. BuzzFeed News luckily has reporters on the ground trying to make sense of it all. Today, we're talking to two of them about what they've seen covering protests this weekend. We're joined first by Addie Baird, who's based in Washington, D.C. Addie, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Addie, tell us, where were the protests focused last night? So the protests last night were mainly focused basically a block from the White House in a park called Lafayette. Um, And from there, they spread out over downtown D.C., but that was sort of the centralized location. What was the energy like when you were there with the protesters? There was a lot of fire in D.C., it looked like, from pictures. Yeah, it was really interesting. Me and Kadia, who's another BuzzFeed reporter, uh, got down there about 7 o'clock. And I would say from 7 to 9.45 or 10, it was pretty calm. There was kind of an occasional firework. There was, like, localized pepper spray when people would, um, like, you know, throw water bottles across the line at cops or would, um, you know, do so anything, you know, kind of, kind of to try and intimidate or incite them. But honestly, it was, it was a most, mostly people chanting and, um, you know, kind of the traditional Black Lives Matters chants, like hands up, don't shoot, no justice, no peace. It was about 9.45, I would say, from 9.45 to 10, the energy completely changed. And I think part of that is that there was an 11 o'clock curfew last night in D.C., and so it was kind of like people were maybe feeling like they were about to hit a stopping point of some sort. But it it felt honestly very sudden. Suddenly there were tons of fireworks. There was a huge spurt of tear gas that absolutely escalated things. It was dark. People were suddenly make, like lighting huge fires. I kind of came around a corner and all of a sudden there was just a giant fire in the middle of the street and people were ripping off branches and throwing it into the fire. People started breaking glass in the buildings around and, and we basically decided that we needed to start to pull back. And as we started to pull back, we turned the corner and there was just a giant car fire. So at that point, the energy changed and, and it was definitely tenser and um, it was it was definitely um, more dangerous. But at the beginning and for most of it, it was honestly a feeling of unity and, and solidarity. One of the things that's been reported is that President Trump's advisors are having a hard time convincing him that these protests aren't just about him. But how much of the anger outside the White House was directed at the president versus the system writ large? Almost entirely the system, I would say. It's obviously right outside the White House. And there was a little bit of um, there was some chance of am I allowed to swear? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, There was some chance of like, fuck Trump, basically. uh, But it didn't really it didn't really. Honestly, it could have been any park. It was much more about the system. And one quick final question for you. Uh, How was law enforcement while you were out there, Secret Service, the police, during their interactions with the protesters? Yeah, um, it was really interesting. Like Like I mentioned, at the sort of early start of the protest, it was kind of like localized 
shooting of pepper spray. The cops kind of formed a line at one point. They formed a police line, not kind of, it was absolutely a police line up to kind of block off one of the streets when it seemed like, uh, you know, I'm not totally sure why. I think maybe they felt like too many people were getting into the area. But that moment was an opportunity for protesters to get really close and up into these officers' faces. And so that was pretty early in the evening. That was kind of right as I was getting to the White House around 7. And they just stood there and people yelled at them and they didn't engage and they just didn't even talk. They just stood there. It was as the mood got um, tenser that the cops started to escalate. I was standing on Vermont Avenue, which is right near the White House on, on Vermont and H. And there was a whole bunch of police cars. And I was watching this big fire and realized that sort of right behind me and next to me, the cops were quietly getting into full riot gear. And um, it was a little eerie, honestly, to watch. And it was after that point that um, there was an MSNBC reporter that was shot and hit by a rubber bullet. There was a CNN cameraman who a cop hit him with his baton, even though he was saying that he was, that he was press. And I really do feel like the, the big shot of tear gas into the crowd about 9 45 10 o'clock was a, a major escalation Addie, well thank you so much and stay safe out there absolutely thank you guys all right next we're going to kick it out to ground zero of these protests minneapolis minnesota buzzfeed news adolfo flores is joining us from there now hello adolfo hi adolfo what have you been seeing since you landed in minneapolis a few hours after landing in minneapolis I went to the protest uh, that was taking place outside of the 5th Precinct. And a little bit after 8 p.m., which is when a curfew started, uh, one group started walking down the street and another group stayed at the intersection in front of the uh, police, uh, the precinct. I went with the group that was walking. And I would say 30, 40 minutes uh, later, that group was met by state police who started launching tear gas at the protesters and you know pushing them back. And it very quickly devolved. And it was really hard to, you know, if you wanted to get to a safe space to do so, because everywhere you, you turned, there was a line of police shooting tear gas. So it was a lot of trying to uh, outmaneuver or go around it. And then I didn't see this, but the, the, the group that stayed outside the 5th Precinct while they were sitting there said they were told to disperse. And I don't know what happened, but uh, at some point they started firing tear gas at them as well, including journalists. And that was also very chaotic. But I mean, for the most part, it's been a lot of protests, you know, you know people chanting George Floyd's name, uh, singing and trying to come out and, and support or in solidarity. and. And, and more importantly, to highlight the issues that they see are affecting communities of color here in the Twin Cities. So last week, the ex-cop whose knee was on George Floyd's neck, Derek Chauvin, was arrested. Did that change the tenor of the protests at all? So one thing, I, you know, it, it looks like after a few days of really uh, violent protests, when we all saw those images of uh, you know, fires and, and looting, and then that was when authorities charged Derek Chauvin uh, with third-degree murder in George Floyd's death. And I, I think they thought that would 
sort of calm people down. And it didn't, and I think it's because people just saw it as a little too late, not just in, in, in Mr. Floyd's case, but in general, when you look at other instances of police violence against people of color and that have resulted in, in deaths. Um, you know, this isn't the first one. And so charging Chauvin was not enough. And and then that, that's something that you hear advocates say. Uh, but yeah, so I, I mean, I think there are also a lot of other protesters, a common uh, demand or chant that you hear is they want the other officers who were there to also be charged in the death of Floyd. And that hasn't happened yet. On his call today with governors, the president said that everything changed in Minneapolis once the National Guard was called out. Does that track with what you've seen? I mean, I don't know what he's talking about exactly, but, you know, I hadn't seen the type of, you know, use of force against protesters. But, uh, you know, keep in mind, I, I got here Saturday, which was right when the National Guard came out. But most of the tear gas that I've seen thrown at protesters was from state police. I did see if like uh, the National Guard do it a few times, but for the most part, what I've seen is is the state police. What's different perhaps now is that you are seeing police officers and the National Guard out there and trying to push protesters back with, with tear gas and rubber bullets. Um, and so that's one thing that seems different. Adolfo, last thing. What are people there telling you that they think is getting lost in some of the chaos of trying to cover this moment? Yeah, I mean, you know, people keep bringing up these issues of, of inequality and, and not just when it comes to the way black people and other people of color are treated by police, but when it comes to education, housing, gentrification is an issue here, as well as employment opportunities for people of color. That's something they say they've had to contend with for many, many years, generations. And, you know, Floyd's death is allowing them to talk about that and have a platform. I spoke with a 35-year-old woman from Minneapolis who said, you know, you know who you know, was unemployed for a while, but you know, started her own business. And she said, like, you know, racism is something that you don't necessarily hear about in Minneapolis, you know, if you don't live here. And even if you live here, she said it was masked masked by um, Minnesota nice. You know, they're very nice, but they, you know, you, you, you get the sense that you are being discriminated against nonetheless. And so I think the, these racial disparities is something that we're going to keep hearing about in light of uh, George Floyd's death, you know, in addition to the police accountability and officials accountability. Adolfo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's time for The List, and today we've got for you four old-school songs that hit a little different today. There's a lot of just wild shit going on outside right now, which unfortunately is in some ways par for the course for the U.S. Thankfully, in other times where people have been in the streets demanding their rights and trying to figure out what to make of life, some real bangers have been produced, and some of them are just resonating pretty hard today. So number one on our list of old-school songs that hit a little different today... Ball of Confusion by The Temptations. Segregation, determination, demonstration, integration, activation, humiliation, obligation to our nation. 
Number two on our list of old school songs that hit a little different today, For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield. There's something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware Number three on our list of old school songs that hit a little different today. What's going on by Marvin Gaye. And number four on a list of old school songs that hit a little different today, Mississippi Goddamn by Nina Simone. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn. Oh, I just want to put all of these in a playlist and listen to them all day long and just right. rage. <laughs> right. These are some pretty good rage songs, not going to lie. I I remember I first heard the Nita Simone one right around the time of the Trayvon Martin shooting. And it's wild that we're still like drawing from this song that was written back in the 60s as a way to express the shit that's happening out there today. Isn't that just the worst? It is the worst. When you when you really dive into that one, it's actually the worst. Yep. But the way that some of the on this list managed to have a sense of um, confusion, but also hope, especially Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. I Someone pointed out to me recently that the title of the song doesn't have punctuation at the end. So it could be hmm. what's going on, peers, and this is what's happening. And what's going on, like a plaintive cry. And I just really love that. Wow. No, seriously, that is such a great way to look at it and reflect on that song now. So if you out there are listening and you have a song that is really like hidden hard today, let us know. Open up the voice memo app on your phone. Let us know what song it is and send it to news at buzzfeed.com. That's news o'clock, all one word at buzzfeed.com. Or just shoot us a DM on Twitter. We're at news o'clock on Twitter as well. That's today's show. Join us tomorrow when Sachi Cole joins us again, this time to discuss the biggest thing critics of protests tend to miss. And remember, things are hard right now. That ice cream in your freezer, this is its moment. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. last time you took a time out. I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're peeling back the layers around why society makes it so easy to guard men's time like it's diamonds and treat women's time like it's infinite, like sand. And so whether you're partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is a place for you, for people of all family structures. 
So take this time out with us to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim your time. Listen to Time Out, a fair play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Roxanne Gay, the host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Each week, I talk to an interesting person about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. We can't escape politics. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.